Marketing Your Private Practice is a podcast where you'll learn easy to implement tips and strategies to grow your business without spending all day online. I'm your host, Kathy Koliakovo, and I teach practitioners the Thrive Marketing Method to create simple and streamlined plans by focusing on long-term strategies, not just social media. Discover ways to spend less time on your marketing, attract more clients, and build the financial freedom that comes with a thriving practice. One where you have time left in your day for the people and things that matter to you. Hey, Private Practice Heroes. Thanks for listening into the podcast today. I'm Kathy Koliakovo, your host, and we are going to finish off our series of lessons on content creation and writing articles with some strategies for formatting your articles to boost your marketing ROI. Now, if you've been tuning in to episodes 50 to 53, you've probably gone through some of the lessons on how to come up with months of content ideas. You know the seven elements to factor into writing the articles. You've even followed along with creating a real article we wrote as a sample from one of my followers on Instagram. Well, now it's time to publish the content. And as with everything we talk about here on the podcast, The lessons I'm sharing with you are both doable and strategic. Typically, I recommend to my clients and program members that you want to start posting your articles by posting the content as a newsletter and then also as a blog post too. You never want to waste your content. So if you aren't taking one article and putting it in both places, you need to reconsider this That one article is really wasted marketing content if you're not using it in both places because each place, the newsletter and the blog, they have a different purpose. And I'm going to explain this a little more in a minute. The other main difference between a blog post and a newsletter article, even if they are the exact same article, is how you format it when you publish it. And that's going to be the meat of the lesson I want to share with you today. The different formatting you need to make between them is simply changing some of the content and some technical aspects depending on where you're publishing the article. Understanding these differences will help you be more strategic and efficient when creating your marketing content. And going about your marketing in this way is how you're going to get better results from the time that you do put into it. So before we get into the technical formatting of the content, I want to be sure that you understand the different purpose of each placement of your article, putting it on a blog as a blog post or doing it as a newsletter. It all comes down to two things, how people consume the content and who is consuming it. Well, actually three things, because it's also why you're posting it in the first place too. And here's what I mean. When you post an article on your website as a blog, the content is primarily there to help with search engine optimization, helping the Google find you, and also it's all about helping get new leads on your email marketing list. But on your email system, when you send content as a newsletter, this content really has a purpose to communicate and engage with people who've already subscribed to your email list. So many people who read your blog will be strangers to you. They may have found your blog, or if you're doing a podcast, they may have found your podcast show notes, because that's the very same thing as a blog. So they may have found it from an online search, or they got there because they saw a post on social media, and they clicked a link to get over to your blog. 
This is why formatting the blog content in such a way that the search engines can find it is so important, because that's going to help the search engines know it's there. And that means when people go online looking for a solution to their problem, your blogs can actually come up as one of the possible answers. Now, a newsletter has a key difference from a blog post. A newsletter goes to people whose name and emails you already have. They already have an idea of who you are because they're already on your list. They've probably been on your website and signed up for your lead magnet there. And they've gotten an email with that lead magnet delivered to them, maybe more than one email. These folks are already leads. And that is the big difference here. Okay, well, there's another big difference too. With a newsletter, you get to send that content right to them in their inbox. You don't have to hope they find it somehow. Whereas with a blog post, people have to find those posts or be directed to them to read the content. So I hope you really see the differences here because these different purposes are why you want to format every article you write a little differently before you publish it as a newsletter than you do when you put it out as a blog post. And that's what we're going to get into now. How to format your newsletter and blog posts strategically to get more results. Now, there are seven things that you want to look at formatting differently for an article when you use it as a newsletter and then as a blog post. And that's what we're going to review, what we change for each of these seven elements. So the first one is your subject line and title. So in an email, the subject line is intended to get people to open the email and read the content. It needs to invoke curiosity and make folks want to click and open the email. I don't like to give away what's inside the article in the subject line for a newsletter. I really like to make sure people wonder about what is in there and think about it so they click and open it. So the subject line is often not going to be the title that you use on the blog. Now on your blog, on your website, the title is there to impress the search engines and people searching on the internet. And this means it needs clarity and keywords. This is primarily so that the search engines know what the content is about and so that folks that are searching online for solutions might find that blog post because the search engines have registered it and shown it to them as a possible solution to their search. So your subject line for the email is going to be a little different than the title for the blog. A subject line isn't going to give away everything you have in the article. A subject line is going to make people think a little bit about what you're trying to tell them and click on it to open it up. Now, the second element that we want to format differently is what we call the subtitle for a blog or a preview line for a newsletter. Now, the preview line, or some email systems might call it a second line, it's part of the setup in an email marketing systems. And what happens is some systems allow this extra line. So it's kind of almost like a subtitle to the subject line. And it's something extra you can add to your emails so that it will show for some people because it depends on their email system. And it will show when they see the email in their inbox. It's kind of in a preview there. So it doesn't necessarily show on all email systems. Like some people will use Gmail, Hotmail, Yahoo, Outlook, it depends on what they're using, whether or not they'll see it. But if your email system allows for it, you want to use it. 
because it lets you put in some extra words that might help entice people to open that email. So if your system can do this, I highly encourage you doing it. It can help boost the open rates, which means more people have the opportunity to check out the information and read your email. Now with a blog, a subtitle is a specific element for blogging. It gets formatted in a way to give the search engines additional information on what the content is about. Typically, when you're formatting your blog, you'll want to include a subtitle that's only one line, and you want to make sure it's keyword rich, so it has some sort of keyword relevant to what the article content is about, and it's going to help people learn a little more about what is in the article. It's something that also helps people decide if they want to continue reading. Now, there is one extra thing that you want to do with your subtitle, and it is a little technical, so I'm going to try to go through it here so that you understand it. Most blog systems have an option to format your text, and in particular, we want this subtitle formatted with what's called an H2 tag. So don't panic here, but we are going to talk about a little bit about code here for a second, okay? But I'm pretty sure I can explain it so you understand it. H tags are part of the structure of a website and the content on the website. And they are essential for SEO, for search engine optimization. There are typically six HTML tags that are used, H1, H2, H3, H4, H5, and H6. It's a way to tag some of the text on a web page so that it might stand out a little bit differently. It might be a different color or a different size or even a different font. How it shows up will really depend on your website, the setups there, and the theme that is being used on your website. This may be something you have to talk to your web manager about if you don't know what it is and you don't know how to use it. But for most websites, it's very easy and it's very simple. You just highlight the text, you tell it from the formatting menu bar that you want to put an H tag on it and you put an H2 on that subtitle. Okay. So it's not really complicated. And what I might do is just do a little follow along video and I will put that on my YouTube channel. So you can definitely check the show notes for that. And I will put that over there. So you can see what I mean when I do it on a WordPress website, which is the type that I have. But most website systems have a way for you to format the text that you put in there. So literally all you do is highlight it, whatever the subtitle is, and put the H2 tag on it. The same way you would bold something or make it in italics or underline it, okay? Although don't underline things on the internet. Actually don't use it at all. The thing about using underlines on content on the internet, people think it's a link. So if it's really not a link and you're just trying to make it stand out with an underline, don't do it. Make it bold instead, okay? The thing to understand here is that when you put that subtitle together, you want to make sure that you have this H2 tag on it. And that's it. So for a newsletter, we want a preview line. For a blog, we want a subtitle in an H2 tag. Try to keep both of these lines succinct and short. The preview line, I like to keep as short as possible, or it can get cut off in the email preview. And the subtitle on the blog post, try to keep it to one sentence, a short sentence, if possible. So that is the second element here. The third one when we format a newsletter and blog post differently is the intro that we use for each one, the intro to the article. Both articles need an intro. 
which is really a segue into what people are going to learn by reading the article. On your blog, the subtitle comes first, so that short, one keyword rich sentence. Then you go into the intro. This might be a couple sentences. Typically, you're going to empathize or reiterate the problem people might be having. You're going to share what your solution is and how this lesson is going to help the person reading it. You kind of want the same thing in your newsletter, but it might be a little more personal here because people on your email list know you more. They've heard from you a few times or even many times. So you can share a little more information here to nurture and engage them. I often share a personal story that segues into the lesson. And this is how people get to know the real you a little more and helps build the know, like, trust factor. So in the newsletter, don't be afraid to share a little more you in the intro than you would on the blog. You can definitely do the same on the blog if you want to, but you have to remember the majority of blog visitors may have no clue who you are. It might be their first introduction to you. So that's why you may not want it as personal on the blog as you do when you have the intro in your newsletter. Number four is images in the content. So both placements need images. In a newsletter, I tend to limit the article to one image in order to help improve the deliverability of the emails going out to the email subscribers. There are a lot of studies out there that say less images in an email will help the systems deliver more of your emails and get them past the spam filters and the email systems and get them into the inboxes of the people on your list. So when it comes to images, less is more for the newsletter. Another reason that you want to be careful with images in your newsletter is that many systems don't automatically download and show images. And this means if your subscribers don't have their emails automatically showing images in an email, they may not even see them. So you always want to make sure the images support the text in your article, but they shouldn't be the meat of the article. They should just be an add-on. Now, when you're talking about images on blogs, on the other hand, you can definitely add more images to help break up the text when people are reading online. But always make sure you're optimizing any image you put into your website for putting it on the website. This means make sure you've got a small file size, that you've created it as close to the exact size that you want it to show as possible. And you always want to add the alternative text or the alt text it's called, when uploading your image files into both a blog post. And actually, when you put it in your newsletter, most systems have an option to add the alternative text as well. These alt text words will show when the image isn't displayed, and it can help people understand what the image is when they can't see it. It's also something that the search engines recognize as well. So it can help with search engine optimization, and the small file sizes will help with your website speed as well. And both of those are important for getting more traffic to your website. So add images in, limit them in newsletters, and use them in your blogs, but always make sure you optimize those images before you upload them into either system. Number five on this list of formatting elements are the links in the articles. So you can definitely use links in both a newsletter or a blog article. In episode 51, we talked a little more about internal links in your blogs and how they help. But links in newsletters are an option as well. 
The thing you want to do is be strategic about how many links you're putting in the emails and what they're going to. Number one, too many links in an email can actually affect your deliverability as well, and it can cause problems with those spam filters again. So you don't want to put too many in the newsletter content. You also want to think about where you're sending people with the links. For instance, if you're going to send a link to a lead magnet in your newsletter, well, you already have people's names and emails. So you want to think about the most efficient way to get them to download or have access to that lead magnet as well. Some email systems actually give you an option where you could give them the PDF and there's a way to set up a trigger that when they click that link to download the PDF, it tags them from their action and gives them some of that segmenting that you use with your email systems. Some email systems do this, some do not. So you'll want to see what is possible with your own email marketing system. ConvertKit, which is the one I love that we use a lot with our clients and a lot of my program members use it as well. It has some really neat options for trigger links and it's not a high pricey program. So that's one of the reasons why I do like it a lot. When it comes to links in a blog, you want links to help people stay on your website longer. The search engines love to see this activity. It means if people like what they see on your website and they're clicking a link to read more on another page or then to read more on another page, what that tells the search engines is that the content you have is good content. People are reading it. They're staying on the website. They're consuming it. So they'll send more people to your website from this. So again, you want to be thoughtful about what links you put in, limit them in newsletters, use them in your blog, but don't use so many that it detracts from the content that you actually have in the article. And I will tell you, watch this week for a video I'm going to do on my Instagram profile on why I'm a firm believer in putting your entire article in your newsletter and not just having a preview of it there and then putting in a link to read it on your blog. So this is something a lot of folks do after they're done working with me. They typically stop doing it. I teach people why I don't believe in doing this as a practice. And you'll understand the strategy behind not doing this when I explained it in the video. So definitely connect with me on Instagram. You'll find me at Pepper It Marketing. I'll put a link to that in the show notes too. And when you see the video, you'll kind of understand why I'm always a believer in put the entire article in your newsletter. So there's a really good strategy behind this. And you'll be able to see that through the video. I'll give you a little walkthrough on this theory that I have. So on to the sixth formatting strategy here, which is your SEO elements, which are called blog categories and tags when it comes to a blog. Now, these SEO elements are not found at all in a newsletter, so don't bother looking for them there. They are specific to search engine optimization and blog content systems. Newsletters are not things that you do search engine optimization with because they're coming out in an email. Blog categories and tags are very specific to formatting a blog post. And basically what they are is a keyword-rich area. It's part of the technical background, the coding on your website, and connecting the coding to the content you put out there. So it's not just for formatting it for people reading it, but for the search engines as well. 
So when you are putting in blog categories and tags, there's part of how it's all set up on there that the search engines can recognize this, can scan it, can see what the content is about, and it just helps them understand what your website is all about so they know when they should be showing that to people if they're looking for something online. Not all blog systems use both of these, but if yours does, you will want to use them. And just to give you a quick explanation of them, blog categories, really you can think about these as kind of the broad topic the content is about. Typically one word, maybe two words, okay? Content marketing, marketing strategy, private practice marketing. Those would be a couple categories that I would use, okay? Tags are more of a group of words or a phrase of words that will describe what is the content in the article. So typically for me, I recommend using two, maybe three categories on a blog article and anywhere from five to 10 or even 15 tags. It depends on the setup that you have on your website for your blogging. So blog categories and tags are definitely something you want to use. The last element here are calls to action. So calls to action can be very different in newsletters and blogs. And once you truly begin to recognize why newsletters and blogs are so different when it comes to the content and the purpose, then you'll really see why the CTAs, your calls to action, will be different too. So remember from earlier, newsletters go to your audience of leads, people you already have their email address for. Blogs are typically a way to capture new leads. You're generally looking to get people's email. So some folks when they read your blog, yes, they might be on your list, but anyone who found the content by themselves online is probably new to you. This means when you have a call to action in a newsletter, it's not necessarily to get someone's name and email on your list because you already have it. So as you plan your CTAs in your newsletter and you plan them for where you're going to use them on your blog, you'll have to think about you might need to word them a little different and wherever you're sending them might be a little different as well. So the setup and how you say them or talk about them could differ a little from what you put in the newsletter to what you put in the blog. And that is it. Those are the seven different ways to format your articles differently for a blog versus when you use it as a newsletter. Now, both of them, there are lots of other things you definitely want to put in there too. You want to use bold font. You want to use you know, centering font differently. You might want to use different sizes of font. You might want to use some more of those H tags to make some of the titles or the subtitles and the subsections of the content stand out a little more. You want to try to make it as easy to read and sort of scan through as much as possible, whether it's on the newsletter or on the blog. So just make it easy for people to kind of skim through can they get the gist of the lesson by looking at some of the bold parts and the headlines and the beginning of a list, if you have a list or bullet points, things like that. You really want to plan out what you're doing. You've written the content. You've got it there. It's great content. Now you want to make sure you format it to make it as effective as possible. So your action step from today's lesson is to review your own article publishing process and check that you're factoring in these seven different ways to format your articles differently for your newsletter and your blog post. And if you're not doing it now, start doing it. 
This practice will help you ensure the ROI you get from one of these is better than if you simply put out the same content in the same way on each channel. Or worse, if you do like many people come to me first and they send an article in a newsletter and never post it as a blog, or they post an article on their blog and they never send it to their email list. Always use that one article in both places. That's going to be the real kicker in how much ROI you get from each one of them. So to recap those seven formatting strategies, they are your subject line and title, your preview line and subtitle, the intro to the article, the images you include, the links you include, the blog categories and tags, which are your SEO elements on the blog posts only, and then your calls to action. So be strategic as you plan to put these into each type of article, wherever you're publishing it, and plan for the differences. So plan it as you write this out in the very first place. This is one of the things that we have in the article template that I use with my Thrive Marketing Academy students. They follow the template because it encourages them to do all of those different things, depending on whether they're going to put the content on a newsletter or on a blog post. And if you get stuck and you've got an article written and you know you need to do this different formatting, but you're not sure how to start, why not book a free marketing review with me? We can go over the article you have. I'll walk you through how to format it for those two different places. And then you'll know and have a good idea on how to do that for your future articles. So you can book your free marketing review on my website at pepperitmarketing.com slash review. And I'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes as well. It is free. It ends up becoming a podcast episode. So it's also free marketing for you as well, because we'll be telling people who you are, what your website is, and what you do for a living, and the kind of clients you help. Don't be scared of getting that kind of free publicity. Others have the same problem. So if you're one of the brave ones that books a free marketing review, think of yourself as someone helping others figure out that same problem you have. And that is it. That's your lesson for today on how to format your blogs and newsletters a little bit differently. And it is the final lesson in this series I've been doing on helping you improve your content creation and article writing skills. So be sure you check out episodes 51, 52, and 53 to see it all in action. And then you can go back and review episode 50, where we talk about how you can be effective with your marketing, even if you just have one hour a week to do your marketing. This is Kathy Koliakovo saying thanks for tuning in. And remember to thrive in practice. That means doing your marketing as effectively as possible. And one of those ways is being strategic with your time and your content. So be sure you're formatting your articles differently when you use them on your website as a blog post and when you send them out as a newsletter. You'll find yourself making much more of an impact from both of those placements of that content when you do this. I'll see you next time. You can find all of our show notes and resources mentioned at marketingyourprivatepractice.com. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram at pepperitmarketing and say hi. I'd love to hear any feedback you have and make sure to rate and review the podcast and hit subscribe on your favorite player so you don't miss any future episodes.